Good. Well, um, tonight we're going to um, just kind of break it up a little bit into the several things we wanted to do as we celebrate Christmas uh, together. Sometimes uh, I get asked about some of the traditions I grew up with uh, at Christmas, and I know hopefully, uh, how many of you guys have like a tradition you do every Christmas? doesn't matter what it is. Just raise your hand if you got a tradition. You know, kids, raise your hand if you got a tradition you love. Yes. I know some kids, I know some families do like Christmas pajamas as a tradition, you know, every year. Uh, some get to open a gift, maybe a single gift. Sometimes that's a tradition. Uh, in our house, we actually watch a, a film. If you saw in the opener, um, the, the movie that was playing or that scene is from a movie called The Nativity, and that's actually one of our traditions is, is watching that on Christmas Eve. We love that movie and think it's a great tradition. But I grew up with the tradition of my dad uh, reading the Christmas story every Christmas morning. And I've asked, got people ask me sometimes uh, where to find that. And so if you want to, take a quick picture of the screen. If you're on, online, you can take a picture of the screen as well. Um, but this, in case you didn't know, uh, this is several passages as kind of a guide if you wanted to make this a part of your family's tradition. Okay? You can uh, read about different things, the way John talks about it or Zachariah's vision. Um, these are phenomenal uh, ways and, and hopefully a tradition you can start uh, with your family, okay? Uh, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, uh, reading a portion of the story or just reading through the whole uh, Christmas story. We do this as part of our tradition here on Christmas Eve. I'm going to read uh, that portion from Luke 2 tonight just to kind of focus us in before I ask Pastor Don to come up and to share his message with us. This is from Luke uh, 2. At the time, the Roman, Empire, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken, taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And when they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to the highest God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. One of the great, unique things we get to do as followers of Christ is we get to tell the story. 
just like the shepherds did, uh, we get to tell the story of Jesus, especially at Christmas time. This is our time to be able to share why we celebrate what we celebrate. Even in a year like 2020, right? Even in a very strange and very odd year, and maybe a lot of your traditions you weren't able to do this year, that even though this year is different, it has been difficult, don't miss the reason for the season that we celebrate. Evening. Oh, I hope it's better evening than that. If that's all you got for Christmas Eve, we're in the wrong place. Good evening. There we go. It is good to have you guys here tonight. Uh, my name is Donnie. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I get the privilege of being able to share a little sermonette with you here tonight. Trust me, it won't be too long, but I hope it's inspiring, and uh, it's, I'm pretty passionate about it. But I absolutely love Christmas time, and so we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior to this world, and I hope that tonight, kiddos, that you go home and with expectation and anticipation, not because you get to open up presents but because of the why you get to open up presents, and his name is Jesus. So let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick before I dive into this, just so I can uh, calm down before I get into the exciting part. So let's pray. Dear God, we just uh, come before you right now, Lord. I thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you, to honor you, to give glory and praise to you. And Lord, thank you for the celebration of Christmas time. And God, I pray that you just take every word that I've prepared here tonight. Lord, may it be your words, not my words. God, I pray that whatever is true, uh, Lord, just seal it up in our hearts, and whatever is false, uh, Lord, just let it fall by the wayside. God, we just thank you and praise you for that. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this year is especially unique for us as we go into the Christmas season. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but if you've been paying any attention to the Weather Channel or news channels or anything, how many of you guys have looked up at the night stars to see Jupiter and Saturn uh, this week? Anybody? All right, got a few of you. Those are the rest of you that didn't do that. You missed something that only happens 800 or one time every 800 years, all right? And so we have this great conjunction, is what they call it in the astronomical world, where Jupiter comes in real close to Saturn, and it's called the Christmas star, all right? And so it's really important that we understand that tonight because I'm going to be talking about it tonight. For those of any of you that know me, there is no way I could pass up this moment tonight, all right? Because it's a, it's a monumental moment. It's something that happened uh, It doesn't happen that often, but we also have the opportunity to recreate the skies. We have all kinds of computer programs now where the stars tell the history of mankind, all right? And so we go back, not astrology, we're studying astronomy. I've been accused of being an astrologer. I'm not an astrologer. I'm not even a great astronomer. I'm just fascinated by it, all right? And so we can recreate the stars and we can plug in the coordinates and we can recreate what the skies look like at certain times throughout the history of mankind. So I'm going to attempt to do that for you tonight. But the reason why is because the Christmas story that we oftentimes celebrate and we, and we have cute little Christmas pageants and, and we read the nativity scenes and or the, we watch the movies and we put up our nativity sets out there and the wise men are always a part of it, but in the reality, they were not a part of the Christmas story at all. All right, And so I don't have a problem with those things. I just want to make sure that you know the truth. And so that you can have the truth here tonight, I'm going to share the truth with you, and the truth is going to set you free. But before that, um, what, what I've called it here tonight is the wise men and the star. The wise men and the star. And why is that star so important to helping us understand who these wise men were? All right? So I'm glad you asked that question because we're going to go through that. Uh, but I need you to understand a couple things. I'm going to do a couple spoiler alerts for you all that have uh, loved the wise men. Um, they did not come to see Jesus on 
when the shepherds were there. All right? They did not see Jesus in the manger. They were, it was possible that Jesus was even two years old before the wise men even ever came into the picture. So anything that you've ever believed about the wise men being there on the night that Jesus was born, uh, just get rid of it because they weren't. All right? The other reality is, is there weren't three of them. There could have been three of them. There were probably most likely more of them than that. Um, and they weren't alone. All right? So what we know about the wise men is they would have been, uh, there would have been several of them, and it would have been um, uh, a, a big deal to actually meet them. Okay? And the other big spoiler alert is uh, that we don't really know the na- day that Jesus was born. All right? The day that Jesus was born really isn't Christmas Day. It's the day that we have set apart as being a holy day. Okay, So I don't know if you know this or not, but that's where we get the name, um, the word holiday. But we'll get into that in a second. All right? But on December 25th, I will warn you that there was something that was really cool that happened. Okay, So don't give up hope. Don't get discouraged by the fact that it wasn't really the day that Jesus was born because it was a really cool, really cool night. But I want us to pick up the story. All right? How do we know that the wise men weren't a part of the original Christmas story? I'm glad you asked because it's in the Bible. All right, so we're going to go to the Bible and uh, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 2. And understand there's a big separation between chapter 2 or chapter 1, the last verse, and chapter 2 when the wise men come in on the scene. So it clearly states, after Jesus was born. I don't know how to get it more clear than that. In Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So we we have all these clues as to who these guys were. Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? So they they even know who this person is. They know who Jesus is supposed to be. They they were probably very heavily influenced uh, by Daniel. And you'll hear that in a moment. We saw his star. Didn't you guys just look at a star, Jupiter and Saturn? It's not really a star, but it looks like a star, right? All right. Well, they were doing the same thing. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to do what? Worship him. All right. Worship the king. That's what we do. We worship Jesus. When King Herod heard this, he was really excited. Right? No. He was disturbed. Well, why would a king of a nation be disturbed if three dudes on a camel showed up and said, hey, man, we saw it saw a star like dude it's kind of a neat star and we just kind of want to go look at this guy it wouldn't have been a big deal so we really need to understand this the king was disturbed and all jerusalem with him well that's weird all right so we've got this we got these guys following a star from a from somewhere that we don't know and we include them in the nativity scene no big deal right well, I want, to ask, I want to challenge you to ask yourself a question, all right? I'm not going to try and change your mind as to what you believe. I'm just going to throw something out there, and you can wrestle with it afterwards. We need to ask ourselves this question. Who were the wise men that King Herod and all of Jerusalem were afraid of them showing up? Who were the wise men that King Herod and all of Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem were afraid of them showing up? They were not unknown to the people of the day. We might think they're unknown, but they weren't back then. So how many of you guys ever watched a Disney movie? Anybody out there ever watched a Disney movie? Okay, anybody ever watched a princess movie? Anybody ever watched like any movies about kings and kingdoms? Anybody? Okay, all right, all right. So we all know that when a king, when when a baby is born to the king and the queen, there's like a big celebration. Even if it's the princess, there's always a big celebration. But how many of us also know that when the firstborn baby boy is born, 
It's a massive celebration, right? Because a new heir to the throne has now come into the kingdom. So we wonder, okay, so why was King Herod so worried? All right, well, it's a really good question. Uh, because he knew he didn't have a baby boy. It wasn't his son that they came to anoint as the next king of the Jews. He was the reigning king of the Jews. He was worried that these important men were going to anoint a new family to the throne. Right? And all of Jerusalem was with him. Right? This wasn't just some part passing comment. Like This wasn't just a neat little thing added to the Christmas story so we could have a, a cool little song about wise men coming from the east. Right? These guys were powerful figures. And so I need to take you back down history lesson just a little bit longer. I know school's out, but I'm just, this is really exciting. This is good stuff. Right? promise you this is going to blow your mind. All right. So how many of you guys have ever heard of the Roman Empire? Anybody out there, Roman Empire? Most everybody's heard of them. We get most of our cultural stuff from them, even our learning system in America, from a lot of what the Romans have passed down over the generations, even our constitution. All right, so we have the Ro our Republic, and we got our Roman Empire, but most people don't know about the Parthian Empire. How many of you know about the Parthian Empire? We got one, two, a few of you out there. All right, good. You are all in for a treat. All right, so we got the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire, right? That's like America and China, if we're talking about powerful beings, okay? The Parthian Empire was on the other side of Rome, okay? And they were also a world power at the time. And sandwiched in between the Parthian Empire and the Roman Empire was this little country called Israel. Good job, Israel was right there smack dab in the middle. So the Roman Empire stuck a figurehead into Israel to keep the peace between the Romans and the Parthenians. Guess what his name was? King Herod. Yes, see, you guys already got this down. So when King Herod sees the opposing forces, priests, come in to anoint a new king, big deal, right? That's like an act of war. We're coming into your kingdom and we're anointing the next king. Uh, I'm the guy that's supposed to kind of be keeping peace here. And so what does a good king do? He's like, oh, guys, man, I'm so excited about this. You know what? When you, go find that, when you go find that king, please come back and tell me where he's at so I can go worship him too. You see why he would say something like that? Because he's scared that his kingdom's going to be ripped away. He's not going to be doing the job that he's supposed to be doing if they anoint this new king. Now, I could go on and on about this meeting, but I'm not going to bore you with any more details. Go look it up yourself. To make a long story short, these wise men would have been heavily influenced by a guy by the name of Daniel. All right? If you've ever read the Bible, you know the book of Daniel. He went off and was captive over in the Babylonian Empire. He served under three different kings. All right? He would have given them the schooling and the bookwork, and they would have continued to study all of what he has. In fact, uh, I actually was, picked, I was hitchhiking and I got picked up by a by a Muslim who studied Daniel, and he told me all about the influence of Daniel in, the, in this area under the Parthenian Empire. It was amazing. So anyways, they would have, these wise men would have been students of Daniel's teachings. Now, whether or not they were Jewish or Christian, we don't really know, but they wanted to come and honor the king of the Jews, heavily influenced there. Now, I have my personal opinions, but I'm going to share with you uh, what were they following, all right? They, they said that they were following a star, but we all know that stars don't move, right? Stars stay static, but planets move. And so I want you to understand that back in the day, in the ancient times, planets were called wandering stars, all right? And so because we get to recreate the night skies, there's a good chance that these guys were following Jupiter, 
Okay? And I'm going to paint a picture of why these wise men who represented the Parthenian Empire, who would have had an entourage with them, a security force, a detail coming with the power of the Parthian kings, all right? they, would have, they would have known these people and it was making them shake in their boots. They were following something, a star. Now, what kind of, what kind of people follow a star? Well, the same kind of us people who were looking at something that only happens every 800 years in the night sky. Now, the, everybody back in the day, they would have known a lot more about stars than we do because we have light pollution now and we can't really see the stars, but they navigated their whole lives by the stars, time and calendar, and everything was, was done to a, a T with what they understood about the astronomy back then. So these guys were really smart and they were following it and they saw something spectacular happening to Jupiter. So I want to take you back to the night skies back in 7 BC, all right? So back in 7 BC, right around the time of May, Jupiter started doing something weird. You want to know what Jupiter did? Of course you do. That's why you're here. You didn't know this is what you're coming for, but it's going to be something cool. It did the same thing that we see. It went around Saturn. No big deal. Does that every now and then, okay? Well, guess what it did? I'm glad you asked. It did it again in, in uh, September, the second time it circled Saturn in September of 7 BC. Okay, no big deal, right? Okay, it was a big deal to these magi. Guess what it did the third time in December? It circled Saturn again. All right, so we got three times. Now, that's still a little off. The timing's a little off for 7 BC for a lot of the other things to have happened for that to be the time that Jesus was born. But the fact that it happened three times in 7 BC, I imagine it still got the wise men's attention that's, you know, what, what's Jupiter doing? You don't know what? what Jupiter is called in the planet world? Of course you do. The king planet, all right? I'll just tell you. I'll save you, this, I'll save you the uh, emotion of wondering, okay? It's the king planet, all right? So let's fast forward a couple years. Now let's go to 3 BC, all right? Depending on which calendar you follow, uh, it could have been 4 BC, but it was either 4 BC or 3 BC. Fight it out amongst the scholars. I don't have time for it. So, but right around that time, in, uh, it was uh, May of, of September, excuse me, September of 3 BC, the king planet circled the king star. You want to know what the king star is called? Of course you do. It's Regulus. Regulus. You want to know what constellation uh, Regulus is in? Of course you do. It's the king constellation, the lion, Leo, right? All right. So we've got the king planet Jupiter circling the king star Regulus in the king constellation Leo. Now, it doesn't just do it one time because uh, 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 Jupiter does that once every 12 years. He did it three times. Okay, so now the Magi have been watching Jupiter since 7 B.C., 2 B.C. or 3 B.C. Now they see this guy circling around there. Guess what else Jupiter does? I know you're on the edge of your seats wanting this information. In June of 2 B.C., June circles Venus, the mother planet. Wow, mind's blown. This is amazing. Could God have possibly set the constellations in place in the beginning of creation like he said he did i don't know you decide for yourselves i think it's pretty fascinating this is science this isn't me this is what we can recreate according to the science of the world so i'll cut the story short all right there's something else that's about to happen in december 25th of 2 bc with the planet jupiter but i want to go ahead and get back into the story of what the disciples were doing here all right so jumping on down to verse 9 
So after they had heard the king, so they're telling the king all this stuff, because the king's like, after, because he, he wanted to know, when did you see the sign? When did you see the star? Right? It's all in the story. And so they told him all this information. Imagine they were probably far more detailed than what I am right here. So then they tell him all this. Then he looks to his king's court men and wisdom and his people that are around him and said, is this true? And they said, yeah, it's just as they said. And they confirmed the report that the wise men brought. Okay, so there's a double confirmation. The wise men from the Parthian Empire say it. His wise men confirm what the wise men say. Herod's freaking out. Tell me when you find him. He brought him in separately, said, tell him when you find him. And he said, bring them back to me where he's at so I can worship him. He said it in private because he didn't want his other people to know that he was going to worship him, but he also had devious plans. Then they leave. After they heard the king, they went on their way. They, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped. Huh, how does a star stop? It stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Wise men following a star, overjoyed by something that stops. Well, how does a wandering star stop? I'm glad you asked. Because when you see a planet that's circling, they go in orbit, right? Planets orbit something. So when it's circling, and orbits are always those weird shapes, and every planet has its own orbit. When it goes like this, and it gets to the apex of its, of its curvature, right? And then it has to start looping back. Right there, when it starts to make its loop back, it stops. And in the science world, that's called retrograde motion, right? You want to know what we see in the night skies on December 2nd, December 25th in 2 BC? Are you ready for this? Are you on the edge of your seat? Oh, this is going to blow your mind. We see Jupiter stopped in retrograde motion over the little town of Bethlehem. Boom. Now, I get it. Maybe you're not impressed by that. That's okay. I am. So maybe you don't think that's any big deal. But the fact that these guys followed the star across the nations, and the fact that Herod was scared spitless, and so was the rest of Jerusalem, there's got to be something happening with the star and these wise men. Now, you choose to do with, you, with them as you wish. Okay? I'll get to the important part of the story. That's just my own little geeking out on it, as some people would say, or nerding out on it. What, is, what did they really come to do? They came to worship Jesus. So let's pick up the story. On coming to the house, again, not the manger, on coming to the house, they saw that the child was with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped him, just like you do a king. These wise men from another empire are worshiping the king. And they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Expensive, lavish gifts that you give to a king. And that's exactly what they did. And so that's what we do. And you go to your homes. I don't know if what you guys do in your homes, but in the gentry home, we give gifts because we celebrate something called Christmas. And we exchange gifts because it's a holy day that we have set apart to honor and celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, maybe it's not the exact day he was born. It's possible it's the exact day that he was worshipped by the wise men. Pretty cool coincidence, if nothing else. So we give gifts on a day, set aside as a holy day. That's where holiday even gets its name. A day where we celebrate the most important gift ever given to mankind, Jesus it's a free gift. Just over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth in the form of a man. 
And we sang the song about Emmanuel, God with us. Do you realize that Christianity is the only religion in the history of the world where the God that they serve comes to man and offers the sacrifice that's needed to make the relationships right? Every other religion in the world, man has to make the sacrifices to please the gods. In Christianity, God sends his own son to make it all right. It's the only religion in the world that does it that way. And the beautiful thing about Christmas is it's a reminder that the gift is free. We don't have to do anything. That's why it's a gift. When someone gives you a gift, you don't say, how much do I need to pay you for that? It ceases to be a gift in that moment, right? But what do you have to do when they give it to you? You have to receive it. You have to open it. It has to become yours. You don't keep a gift unopened. Maybe some people do. It's not much of a gift that way. You use it. And so when we think about Christ, Christ is a gift. It's a gift that he's given us to be, he's to be worshipped. Well, just like the wise men, we worship him. We bow down before him. He's to be received. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never made a decision that Jesus truly is the greatest gift given to all mankind tonight, what an incredible opportunity. We just did a little kids program that the greatest gift that you can give God is you. He wants nothing more than for you to give your life and heart to Jesus this year. And then once we have received him, for those of us, I know there are many in here that have received him, then we are called to share him with the world. The world is a dark place. It's full of evil. It's full of depravity. It's full of hopelessness. And we have the answer. We have the greatest gift ever. We're called to share him. And that's what we get to do. Matt said it earlier. We get to tell the story. But it's up to you. The first thing I encourage you to do, if you've never done it, is to receive the story. Make the story part of your own first. Let him become your savior. And if you've never done that, please see someone, someone that brought you, or one of us as a pastor. We want to talk with you. We want to be a part of your faith journey. We want to lead you to this incredible gift to mankind. And then those of you that do know Jesus... We want you to share the light of Christ with a dark world that is dying for hope right now. What an opportunity. What an opportunity to share the greatest treasure that we possibly have. The treasure of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, you're an awesome God. And Lord, while there are many signs that point us to you, we all have to decide if we're going to receive you as our Savior. And so God, if there's someone in here tonight, I pray that the power of your Spirit would be speaking to them, that they're like, you know what? I want to know Jesus as my Savior. Lord, let that decision be the greatest gift that they can give to you this year, is their heart and their soul and their mind. And Lord, for those of us that have already made that decision, God, I pray that you help us to share you with a world that is desperate to know you, that is desperate for in need of hope right now, Lord, let us turn on the light in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us. And God, forgive us for the times that we take all this for granted. Forgive us when we get all wrapped up in the commercialism that Christmas represents. May we always be reminded of the fact that it is we are here because of you to worship you and to honor you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and honor here tonight. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.